Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. This morning we're going to step out of our series in Genesis uh, for Father's Day. I don't always step out of our verse-by-verse series on special days, but I am this morning. I'm going to bring you a message entitled, A Godly Man. And sometimes on special days, Christmas, of course, or Easter or Father's Day or Mother's Day, we'll step out and look at a message that maybe applies a little more directly to those days. And it actually hadn't been my plan to do that. I had a message from our series in Genesis I was going to preach on Father Knows Best. And uh, looking at where God told them not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil there, not to eat. And, and we're going to look at that series in our next Sunday morning in Genesis. But But uh, I believe that this is the message that God would have for us this morning. We're going to look at the importance and the attributes of a godly man. And I trust that, that all of us desire to be, those of us that are men, godly men. If you're a man or a young man here, I, I pray that's your desire to be like Christ, to live in accordance to the principles of God's word and to allow him to change us into his image. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Psalm number 127. Psalm number 127. This psalm is attributed to King Solomon. The Bible says the wisest man that God gave him an unbelievable dose of wisdom, but also a man of great faults and failures as well. And isn't that the story of all of us? Uh, we, we, with our sin nature, we have some great blessings and some good things, but all of us have some faults and failures too. And Solomon, who, who compiled the book of Proverbs on the inspiration of the Holy Ghost and gave that to his son Rehoboam, great wisdom. And, and this psalm is a psalm attributed to Solomon, the son of the psalmist David, that most of the psalms are attributed, written by. Psalms is a, the, the Hebrew, the Jewish hymn book. Their songbook, the songs that they would sing, and most of them attributed to King David, the psalmist uh, David, but this one, his son, Solomon. Psalm 127, would you read verse number one aloud with me? Psalm 127, verse number one. If you're following along in a tablet or uh, your iPhone there on an app, I'll be reading from the King James Version of the Bible this morning. Would you read along in verse number one? Ready? Begin. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. You ever feel like the responsibilities you've been given are too big for you? It's because they are. We weren't intended to approach these things on our own. We weren't intended as husbands or wives or moms or dads or business owners or employees or whatever our roles and relationships in life, we weren't intended to live them all in our own strength and in our own wisdom, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. We need him, don't we? Verse two, it says, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. He's talking about the fact we need to cast our care upon the Lord. Worrying about stuff isn't gonna make it any better. Then he says in verse three, lo, children are in heritage of the Lord. By the way, that runs counterculture to a lot of what our culture believes today, that children are an inconvenience. They're a burden. 
There's something to put off in our lives or maybe that to, to outsource to somebody else to take care of. The Bible says that if, and God doesn't choose to bless every life and every home with children. God has his own ways and his own purposes. But if he does choose to bless your life with children, don't view them as a burden or an inconvenience. They are eternal souls that will live forever. The Bible says they're an heritage, they're a gift, they're a blessing from the Lord. Children are an heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. You've heard me say it before. That's a dangerous verse for me. I was preaching one time to my couples class and I, I quoted that verse from memory and I said, there she is right there, Janine. Baby coming along, firstborn baby, just walk back in, give her a round of applause. I started announcing it before I realized you were gone. So congratulations, Janine. I was preaching and from memory I said, children are an heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the loom is his reward. It's not the fruit of the loom, it's the fruit of the womb. I watch too many commercials, I guess. And verse four, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gates. He talks here about the value and importance of children if God chooses to bless you with them. And, and the, the sacred duty, as, as it talks about arrows in the hand, the sacred duty to guide them and to launch them into life in the right direction. And then the next psalm turns its focus from the importance of children to the importance of men and of fathers. Psalm 128, would you read it aloud with me, the six verses? Let's read all six verses aloud together. And then we're going to look at four attributes of a godly man this morning. Psalm 28, let's read the six verses together. Ready? Begin. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. He's talking here to a man, obviously, and a husband and a father, because he says, blessed, in the first verse, he says, blessed is every one, but then he talks, he then references his wife and his children. And so we're going to look at, from this, this psalm, we're going to look at four attributes of a godly man. Number one I see in this psalm, a godly man is known by his faithful walk. I want to challenge all of us that are men today. How are we doing in these four attributes? I want you to take inventory in your life and in mine as well. A godly man is known by his faithful walk. Do you see it there in verse 1? Blessed is everyone that feareth the who church? Feareth the Lord that what? Walketh in his ways. Well, what are the ways of our Lord? We have that, that great old hymn. It says, great is thy faithfulness. O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not as thou hast been, thou forever, forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness. He says here, blessed, happy, joyful, blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. And what will that lead to? A, a relationship, a reverence of God will lead to us walking in his ways, a godly man 
is known by his faithful walk. And men, may I say this morning that each of us should strive to be, we will never be a perfect example of our heavenly father, but we should strive to be an earthly representation of our heavenly father. Our children should learn what love is because of the love that we've experienced from God. Our children should learn what forgiveness is and what mercy is and what grace is and what holiness is and what righteousness is. They should learn those things because they see their mom, their dad, they see us trying to walk in his ways. How are we doing if all our children know of God is what they see in our lives? What do they know of God? How are we doing walking faithfully there in, and that's John and Linda, welcome back from Texas there. And uh, we've got, uh, I'm not sure if Jeff and Paola are here. If you see them, they're right back there. This is their last Sunday. They decided they wanted to move over there. They moved to Texas. They're already back. That was like two months ago. Don't go, Jeff. Don't do it, all right? And uh, welcome back. We're glad you guys are back. How are we doing walking in his ways? One of the things that brings great peace and joy and comfort to every child of God is the fact that we serve a faithful God. He can be counted on. He can be depended upon. How about you, Dad? How about you, man? We have an epidemic of unfaithful men in our society. Unfortunately, statistics tell us that nearly 18 and a half million children are growing up in our nation without their fathers, which by percentage makes, us the, the, makes the U.S. the world's leader in fatherlessness. When we sing, God bless America, this land, we say we're a Christian nation founded upon Christian principles. You go to Washington, D.C., you'll see scripture verses everywhere. How are we doing in America walking in his ways? Men, may I challenge you, a godly man is known by his faithful walk. We say that we know God. It ought to change our thinking. It ought to change the way that we speak. It ought to change the way that we love. It ought to change the way that we live. Approximately 80% of single-parent homes are led by single mothers. We're told that 25% of our nation's youth are growing up without a father in the home. 25% of our nation's youth. And don't buy into the lie of a culture that tells you that that doesn't matter. And I say this as one that was raised by a single mom. This is not a condemnation of single parents. I have great love and admiration and respect for them. And I would tell you that every one of those single parents in this room would tell you that, that we're doing the best that we can, but we, we probably wish that some things had been different. This was not the plan for us. But don't buy into the lie of a culture that tells you that those things don't matter. A society that's trying to tear down all gender roles and tell us that all of this is malleable and has no effect on the long-term health of our families and our nation. Consider this if you don't think that God's plan for the home matters. 85% of children and teens with behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. Over 70% of all adolescent patients in drug and alcohol treatment centers originate from homes without fathers. This, this doesn't mean that 70% of fatherless homes lead to that, but of those that are in those centers, 70%, the, the, the statistics do not lie. It matters, dads, if you set the right example for your home or not. It matters if you walk in his ways or not. What you do does matter. Well, can, can God make up the difference? Yes, he can. Can, can a mom be unbelievably strong and, and raise children for the glory of God? Yes, they can. But dads, don't put them at that disadvantage. Walk in his ways. 
A godly man is known by his faithful walk. Regarding poverty, data shows that children without a father in the home are five times more likely to live in poverty than a child in a two-parent household. Children without fathers at home are nine times more likely to drop out of school, and they represent 90% of all homeless and runaway teens. Again, I don't share these things to shame or discourage single parents or children being raised by a single parent. That was me, and, and we have, that was our youth pastor, Brother Ryan, and our Spanish pastor, Pastor Sam. And we have uh, several those that were raised by single parents that, that are living for God and seeking to be godly husbands. And I think that was you, Pastor Jay. And, and that doesn't mean, this is not a condemnation. I, I don't say this to discourage or to shame a single parent or those growing up in single homes. If you find yourself in that situation, you're not hopeless single mom or single dad you serve a God who delights in being a father to the fatherless he can step in and bring healing if where the sins and failures of sinful man has brought deep pain and hurt but I am well, I am challenging men here today who are fathers and those who become fathers in the future teen boys and single boys before you ever get involved trying to take advantage of some young lady or get into some relationship for your own sinful selfish pleasure think about about the responsibility that you have before you just go and try to enjoy some things that you ought not be enjoying. I'm challenging men and young men, those that are fathers and those who will become fathers in the future to strive to be a dad who walks in the ways of the Lord. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways. Be a man who lives a godly life and leaves a godly legacy. And again, if you find yourself in a situation that isn't the, the, the nuclear family and isn't the perfect biblical model, th there's no reason to live in shame or condemnation. There's no reason to live looking backward. Wherever you find yourself today, begin to walk in his ways. Let God's grace change you and let his word teach you and walk in the ways that are pleasing to him. Dads, live for God even when life is hard. Young eyes are watching. Dads, love your wife even when you don't feel like it. Young eyes are watching. Dads, guard your eyes, your minds, your hearts, your text messages, your internet search histories. Young eyes are watching. Dads, prioritize church over careers and pleasure and hobbies. Young eyes are watching. Dads, spend time, more time playing with your kids than you spend playing video games or checking emails or social media. Young eyes are watching. Dads, pray with your family and teach them the Bible. Young eyes are watching. May I challenge you on this Father's Day, and this is not a, this is not a me beating you up. This is a me challenging us. Let's try to walk more in his ways. A godly man is known by his faithful walk. Secondly, what do we see here? A godly man is known by his fruitful work. Look at verse number two. We almost always think of fruitful work in regards to our career, how successful we've been in business. What is a man almost always when he meets another man? What is almost always one of the first two or three questions? First question is usually, what's your name? Or you introduce yourself. Almost always the second or third question is, what is it? What do you do? We, we, we define ourselves by our work and our success in our work. Look at what he defines here in the Psalms as fruitful work. And I'm not, against, I'm not against being a hard worker. The Bible teaches that. I'm not against business success. I'm not against a, a God-honoring career. But let's see how the Bible defines fruitful work, men. 
So blessed, one, one characteristic is a faithful walk. Look at the fruitful work. Verse number two, he says, for thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. So be a hard worker. Happy shalt thou be and it shall be well with thee. Look what happens. Here's, the, here's the, 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 what it is to be a fruitful work, a man with a fruitful life. Verse three, thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants round about thy table. How does the psalmist define a fruitful, blessed, godly man. He's one that has a healthy marriage. That's where the priority should be, men. A healthy marriage. What does he say? Your wife will be as a fruitful vine. Going, you're like, man, that sounds like a lot of yard work. That sounds like a weed or something I got to get rid of. It's not the, the picture here. These are people that had to grow all their own. So the picture is it's a beautiful, fruitful, life-giving thing to the home. If you and I, if we had to describe and picture in some horticultural picture how our wife is doing mentally, spiritually, emotionally, would it be a fruitful vine, flowers, and fruit, and growth, and life? Or would it be brown, and withering, and, and, and dying? He says here, a healthy marriage, a fruitful vine. And then he says, secondly, healthy children. What does he say? Your children will be like olive plants round about thy table. That doesn't mean a whole lot to us, all of plants around our table. But in ancient and biblical times, to the ancient Hebrew, the olive was, was of great value and great treasure. It was one of the most important crops they could have. That picture of the olive plant is interesting. One of the most valuable trees to the ancient Hebrews. What came from the olive plant? It provided light. Well, what did they do with the olive oil? They would fill their lanterns, and that is what would give their home light. And so it provided light. Not only that, it provided sustenance. It provided food. They would cook and use olives and olive oil and olive products every day on a daily basis. It provided light. It provided sustenance. It provided healing. It was used as ointment. It, it provided cleansing. It was used to make soap. It, it, provi- it, was, it, was, it represented God's blessing. What did they do in anointing people? They would anoint their heads with oil. It represented God's blessing. The olive plant symbolizes peace and reconciliation. What do we, I'm extending an olive branch. So we don't, we don't really understand the word picture here that the psalmist said, but what he's saying is that a godly man will have a fruitful work and there will be children that bring life and that bring sustenance and bring light and bring joy and it represents God's blessing and peace and healing and reconciliation and all of these things that they would have understood. What is he saying? He's saying more important than your career or any financial success or any public recognition is the love and respect and the nurture of your family. It's to, by the way, by the way, the, the, the olive plant was a valuable blessing to every aspect of daily living. And it was not a fast-growing plant. The olive tree is a slow-growing tree that requires years of patient labor and cultivation to bring it to fruitfulness. Does that sound a little bit like parenting? 
We focus, if we're not careful, we focus on winning at work while we lose at home. Win at home first. Before we worry about winning the world, worry about winning your family, Dad. A a healthy wife and healthy children. Dad, take the time to cultivate those olive plants growing up around your table. And may I just say again, I feel like I'm, I'm not trying to put a caveat into everything, but I understand for all of us, we will walk through some heartaches with our children. Some might be self-inflicted and some where somebody did something to them. I understand that all of our children have a free will and a sin nature and they will not all, even if we try to bring them up in the most healthy, loving environment, not all of them will walk in the ways that they wish we would and don't let Satan beat you up. I'm not here saying if your child has made some decisions that have broken your heart that you're somehow a bad mom or a bad dad. What I am saying is that while we have those olive trees under in our garden, let's not neglect them. Let's focus on cultivating that in our lives and be careful if we're not careful when we're in our 20s and our 30s and our 40s. Our focused men by nature can become on our career and how we're viewed and, and, and climbing a ladder and, and, and this portfolio and that investment. And there's nothing inherently sinful about any of those things. What is sinful is when those things take precedence and those things take priority over what really matters eternally, our marriage and our family and our children. Dad, take time to cultivate those olive plants. Their spiritual health matters more than almost anything else in our lives. They need our love and affirmation. I read the story just a couple months ago in April. Scotty Scheffler, he won the green jacket at the Masters in Augusta. Two weeks before all of that, Scheffler experienced something more satisfying, though, than professional success. He had just become... He had won the WGC match play. He had just claimed the number one spot in the PGA Tour two weeks before he won the Masters. And right after he won that tour and became number one in the PGA, Scheffler's dad congratulated him with an incredible statement. Scott Sr. said, I love you, Scott. Listen to what he said. I'm more proud of who you are than your golf. You're a wonderful young man. These men who are followers of Christ understand what matters most. And long after the rankings and the trophies fade from attention, those loving words of affirmation will remain indelible in Scott's life. Fathers, our words are powerful and impactful in the lives of our children. How are we doing? A a godly man is known for his faithful walk. He's known for his fruitful work. And, and that, that can include God using us with our gifts and our talents and abilities in business success. And it can include that absolutely. But don't get it wrong. Don't win at work while you're losing at home. He defines fruitful work here as a healthy wife and healthy children. Healthy relationships. Dads, moms, pour into that as much as you can. What are you known for, man, lady, myself, our career, our clothes, our car, our car? Or are we known for our relationship with our creator and our companion and our children? A godly man is known for his fruitful work. Melissa Durer wrote about her five-year-old granddaughter sitting alone on her new teeter-totter. With a very sad face, little five-year-old little Charlie said, I can teeter, but I can't totter. No one will play with me. Loving dads make the teeter totter. Get involved in their lives. 
Get involved in what's going on. Be plugged in. Be present. That time I, I posted something on, I think it was on Twitter while we were on vacation. We visited some places we hadn't been in a decade. Well, for me, one of the places I hadn't been since I was 20 years old. And another one with our family, we went to a vacation with my dad and stepmom on the Gulf Coast in Florida. We hadn't been there for a decade. And Elise had never been there. Trey, I think, was six months old the last time we were there. And, and we started taking some pictures at different places the last time we had been there and, and seeing those things. And it reminded me of how quickly our opportunity to invest, to cultivate, to, to be with those little olive plants, how quickly it grows. Dads, have you gotten distracted? Have you let the busyness of life crowd out those things that you would agree are more important, but we don't give more of our attention to? Here's my challenge to you this morning. Focus on that fruitful work because life is a vapor for all of us. Our opportunities to love and invest will be gone before we know it. Use that time Wisely, number three, a godly man is known by his family worship. I love to see families, entire families sitting together this morning. I know that that's not the case for everyone, but I, I love to see husbands sitting with wives. And for some of you, two generations, parents and children. And for some, three generations. And a few in our church, four generations. I love to see that. Look at verse number five. What does he say in verse number five? Uh, he says, uh, uh, I'm sorry, verse number four. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. Then he says, the Lord shall bless thee out of Zion. Thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Blessed, behold, that thus shall that man be blessed that feareth the Lord. Are you known, Dad, as a spiritual leader? You know that the primary responsibility for spiritual development in your home rests, on, biblically speaking, on you, Dad? Yes, I'm the pastor of the church, and I hope that I'm a spiritual influence and impact in your lives. But do you know that you'll give an account to God for how you led your family? I will give an account to God for how I led our church. I'm not going to give an account for how, how I led the Nepomuceno family or the Smith family or the Smith family. We have, this is the Smith family row right here. Any other Smiths in here? But Kyle will give an account for how he spiritually led his wife and children. And Jay will give an account. And Craig, that's your... your Dads, pastor your home. Lead your home. I'm thankful our kids are going to teen camp in two weeks. I'm thankful for a youth pastor and a youth group, and I'll be there with them at Ironwood for most of the week. I'm thankful for the ways that a youth group and a church can try to come alongside and help, but don't outsource the spiritual training and the spiritual leadership and the spiritual influence of your home. Dads, take advantage. Pray with your children, dads, and love your children, and just open a chapter, and maybe get a devotional book and read it and talk about it, and when, when church is open, bring your family to church, and when it's time to sing, sing, and when it's time to pray, pray. And if you don't know how to do that, reach out to an, a more aged, godly, experienced uh, man and, and ask them, can you help me? I want to lead my family in ways that are pleasing to the Lord. I, I want to fear the Lord to worship God. Dads, you pastor the home, as Joshua said, make a decision as he said, as for me, I don't know what you're going to do and I don't know what they're going to do, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's no doubt we're going to serve the Lord. I, I may not be able to provide this, and I may not be able to provide that, and I might not be great here, and I might not be able to teach my son how to rebuild an engine, or I might not be able to teach my son how to hit a baseball, or I might not be able to teach my son how to do graphic design. There might be a bunch of things that I don't know how to teach my son, and if that's what God has for me, he can find that elsewhere. But one thing that I can do, I'm challenging you to say in your own heart, I can lead my home spiritually. A godly man 
is known for his family worship. Yes, Satan will attack you, dads and moms, husbands and wives and children. Sin will affect our families. Disappointments will come. Heartaches will come. It's interesting, just about every pastor's family that I talk to, it happened again this week with that pastor's family that I love so much. Just about everyone, as we get a little older and we talk to them, just about every one of them talks about somewhere in their parenting journey where their hearts were completely broken. Where things happened that just turned their world upside. It's a part of just about every family, if not every family. But keep serving when you don't feel like it. Stay faithful. Keep worshiping. Keep on keeping on. Yes, a family member will, will, will disappoint us. Other Christians might hurt us. The church will let us down. Uh, a child might do something that embarrasses us. But keep on keeping on. Stay faithful. Keep loving. Keep following. Keep walking in his ways. Keep worshiping. Keep serving. Keep giving. Keep loving. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How are you doing, Dad? Spiritually leading your marriage, your home, your children. And if you're struggling there, admit it and reach out and let's, let's help each other. By the way, can I just say this? A lot of us, we feel like, man, I'm really not equipped for that and I'm not very good at it. And I look around and he's got it figured out and he's got it figured out and he's doing a great job. And that home, that dad is so good and that husband's so godly. And man, he probably prays with his kids three hours a day and, and they probably read through the Bible once a week. And if we're not careful, we start thinking that everybody has it all together. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. That guy sitting next to you or in the row behind you or in the row in front of you, he doesn't have it all together. And that guy standing up here shouting at you right now, he doesn't have it all together. And our home isn't perfect. And we don't go home and just sing the psalms and then put the, le the, the, the le unleavened bread on the altar and, and, uh, and never fight. We don't have a perfect home. We don't, but dads, you don't have to have a perfect home, but you need to have an authentic relationship with God. Amen. A godly man is known by his family worship. Lastly, a godly man is known by his future wealth. His future wealth. Look at verse number five. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Of course, he, the psalmist here is writing, it's, it's the Hebrew songbook, the Jewish songbook. He's talking about the capital of, of Israel, Jerusalem. And it's a reminder here, may I just stop and say this, godly homes will bring great joy and save a nation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. Except the, the, the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It's a reminder here, he says, you're going to see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. As, as if we, we get some godly homes, it will impact a nation. And then notice verse number six. Would you read it aloud with me? The last verse we'll look at here in, in, in this psalm. Verse number six, let's read it aloud. Ready? Begin. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. A godly man is known by his future wealth. I'm a little embarrassed to tell you this. I'm a wealthy pastor. Like really wealthy. I didn't disclose all of, all of my financial situation when I came to pastor here. And I try to hide it by driving a 16-year-old Toyota Sienna minivan. <laughs> so that people won't criticize me for being one of those rich pastors. But I need to come clean this morning. While tr trillions have been lost in the stock market in the last month or two, the value of my portfolio has actually increased. 
because of some insider secrets on the investments that would outperform when the market crashes and gas prices skyrocket. I think we have a picture here of some of my biggest asset holdings and where the bulk of my wealth is found. Right there. And if we're not careful, we start to focus on our wealth on what we have, but this will last longer than any investment, any mutual fund, any real estate holding, any, any business operations. These things, the Bible says, for a godly man, hold far more priority than any wealth or material possession that we can ever get. This is the stuff that really matters in the final analysis. This will last longer than any bonus or raise or vehicle or, or business acquisition or new furniture. And I hate inflation like all of you do. I don't like economic downturns. I really don't like going to the gas station right now. My retirement account has dropped double-digit percentages too, but while my 401k was plummeting over the last month, I was literally plummeting a couple of weeks ago down Splash Mountain. <laughs> and you know what I wasn't worried about? What my retirement account looked like. Because this is really, and you can tell, I saved some money by not paying Disney to take those watermarks <laughs> off, all right? That saved me like 30 bucks right there. So I've got 30 more dollars than I would have if I would have taken the watermark off, but I'm going to be a cheap dad right there. While Dogecoin turned around from its flight to the moon and sunk to the bottom of the ocean, I was literally playing in the ocean watching dolphins and sea turtles and manatees with my family. And you know, there have been, honestly, and we don't have a, a ton of extra money. God's blessed us. We're taken care of. But there have been seasons in our lives where we didn't have the extra money to make deposits into our savings accounts or our retirement accounts. But can I say this this morning? I don't know where you're at financially but there's never a season where you can't make deposits into your family relationship accounts. There might be seasons. There might be seasons where you, you're, you've got to rack up the credit card debt to stay alive. And I hope not, but that might be the reality for some. And you've got to borrow against your 401k to pay the bills. There might be seasons of that. But I don't care if you're doing really well financially or if, like many, you wake up and, and your financial advisor is kind of scaring you about what's happening there's never a season, no matter what the retirement accounts are doing, that you can't make deposits into the accounts that matter most. Your loved ones, your friends, your family, your fellow church members, your spouse, your children. Invest, they tell us in, in financial, the financial world, to invest with 30 years in mind. And that's good financial advice, but that's also good family advice. That's also true with family. What deposits are you putting in to that which matters most that will bear interest a year or a decade or more from now? Our oldest son, Titus, graduated last month. I was sitting in my office. I wrote him a, a lengthy letter. I sobbed like a baby. I'm not a super emotional guy, but as I sat there thinking about the son God had given us and, and, and where God has taken him to this point of his life, and he's not a perfect son. He's a little like his mom, but, he, but we're working on it. <laughs> That's always too easy, but I always get in trouble for that. But it's Father's Day. She has to be nice to me today, all right? It's the one Sunday I get to say that. He's actually too much like his dad, and the good parts of him are where he's like his mom, his sweet spirit and tender heart, and then his sarcastic nature and getting on people's nerves he gets from his dad. But, but I sat there sobbing like a baby in my office, and I, and I wrote a long note, and then I sent him, a, sent him a text. I didn't tell him about the note, but I just sent him a small text on the day of his graduation telling him how proud Tiffany and I were of him, and he sent me this text back, and I asked him today if I could read it. I, I don't want to all ever share things that, that my children would feel like I'm just using them to 
show off to the church. And, but, but he sent me this text. And I'll tell you, this text matters more than where I live in retirement. This text matters more than what car I drive or what house we live in. My wife and I, we have, we have owned, and this sounds crazy because we've always been on staff, but through that crazy time when you could get a loan without, like they were giving away money, we had a, a couple of million dollars worth of real estate holdings at one point in our late 20s, early 30s. And then within a few years, we lost all of that through short sales and things and lived literally in a college dormitory with three or four children. We've had some financial successes and we've had some financial really tough times where we sold everything and we were living just, we pull out some cash and that's all we had to live with. But I don't, I don't care where our physical things go. This is where real wealth is. He said, thanks dad for that text. It means a lot to me that you would say that. You and mom both have, have both done an amazing job of raising us. Honestly, I know there is no such thing as perfect parents, but when I think about it, you two are the closest thing there is to it. I've truly been blessed to grow up with parents like you and mom. You've done such an amazing job in showing me that the Christian life is not a list of rules, but rather it's about a relationship. I think sometimes in Christian circles, we get it twisted and focus solely on rules when we should be focusing on the heart. If the heart isn't right, then the rules will be of no use, and you've done an amazing job showing me that. At the end of the day, you realize that it's a personal decision to follow God, and while mine is nowhere where it should be, there is a true burning desire in my heart to serve and be used by God. You and mom deserve so much credit, and I'm glad I've been able to make you both proud, parentheses, most of the time, and bring you both joy. You're amazing parents, and don't change because, he puts in parentheses, we all do, but specifically TJ, Trey, and Annalise still need you both to be the parents you have been to me and Ash. I'm excited to be done, but I'm so looking forward to this next chapter of my life, and I can't wait to see how the Lord wants to use me in his eternal plan. Keep it 100. That's a teen thing, I guess. Love you. Can I tell you, as he sent me that, I, I began to cry in my office, and I walked by. Sammy was in his office. Sammy was in the hospital the day that Titus was born up in Northern California, Pastor Sammy. And I went in Sammy's office, and I cried like a baby, and I don't even know if I showed this text to my wife. I think I did that night. I know I told her about it. But I showed Sammy this text and I told him, I said, I don't care what anybody else says about me. I'll be honest, I don't care where, what people think about me as a pastor. Or if, if, if those that know me best and love me most, and who knows what path my children will all take, the story's not written on any of our lives. Who knows what, I, I could mess everything up. But that is true wealth. And again, we've had some heartaches and heartbreaks in our lives that I, I don't all share about. There's no perfect family, but what does he say? You'll see your children's children and peace upon Israel. Some of us need to ask ourselves on this Father's Day, what is real wealth? I'm not against money or material blessings. I'm against prioritizing those things above that which has eternal value in our lives. We need to get our priorities and perspective back for some of us, and I've been there. I like the quote, children don't make a rich man poor. Children make a poor man rich. And some of you are like, you don't know my children. <laughs> I heard Pastor Capace when I sat in church last Sunday morning, I heard him say this, I can't take my money to heaven, but I can take my kids to heaven by loving God and leading them to do the same. Dads, what are we passing down? A godly man. He's known by his faithful walk. How are we doing walking in his ways? 
He's known by his fruitful work. Are we investing in the relationships that matter most or do some of us need to reprioritize? He's known by his family worship and he's known by his future wealth. I close with the psalmist's words in Psalm 78. David, who, who the psalmist wrote this, he said, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord. We're going to pass down what our fathers passed down to us and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and might not be as their fathers. One generation can mess it all up. A stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. What did the psalmist say? What is God's plan in your life and in mine and in your family and in mine and in this church and in every Bible preaching church around the world? What is God's plan? It's that we learn. And some of you say, my dad wasn't a spiritual leader. I didn't learn those things from him. And that's all right if you didn't. But God, you have a heavenly father and there are some aged men and godly men that you can learn from and let them invest into your life and then God's plan is that you pass that to the next generation and then the next generation passes that to the next generation. And may I just say this children and teens take what we're trying to give you here in this church and what for most of you your parents are trying to give you and your family take it and embrace it and don't be a stubborn and rebellious generation but as God allows you to grow and gives you a spouse and if he chooses to bless you with children pass that down to the next generation and then we pray that your children, that my children pass it down to my grandchildren, that my grandchildren pass it down to my great-grandchildren. And I understand that sin is real and Satan is real. And I understand that that's not all going to happen perfectly. And I understand there's going to be some heartaches and some heartbreaks along the way. And there may be some prodigals and there may be some broken lives and broken homes. I understand all of those things, but you and I can control what we can control. How are we doing in passing down those things to another generation? This Father's Day, how's your faithful walk? How's your fruitful work? How's your family worship?